Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So, tis the season of preseason upon us. What would you do to change the preseason in the NHL? Okay, um, it's simple in my book. Uh, you delete preseason games in, in their entirety. You have, let's say, 14 days of training camp. One's a full media day, one's a medical day, and you get two days off. So up to, I believe, 10 practices. And then you just jump right into games. And see what happens. <laughs> that way we can get away from this nonsense where there are 60 players in training camp where we know at most 30, 28 to 30, have a chance of actually making the team. You're just a you're just a a, a, a killer of fun, aren't you? Oh, so you, you've gotten to know some of my friends down here in Carolina because they would say the exact same thing. <laughs> Killjoy. You're just, you're just a wet old blanket. Dang. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with some of it. I mean, I know I'm sitting here literally right now as I'm going to timestamp our recording watching the Flyers and Rangers preseason game, and it's 2 nothing as they start the second period. Um. I know a lot of the guys that are playing in this game for the Rangers are just there getting a look. And the veterans for the Flyers are there. I mean, for the most part, I think there's only like two or three kids in their lineup. But overall, preseason is just a reward for some of the AHL guys that will you know, never get a sniff of NHL action. Unless some, you know, because they're like 12th man on the depth chart, but, you know, they've been a good soldier for the organization, the AHL level for all these years. Or the kids that are there just to get their experience in a training camp and at least get out on the ice against Crosby or Ovechkin or, you know, the one guy that the opposing team dresses that night. I agree with the reward sentiment for, you know, the good soldiers. The problem is they're not making an NHL paycheck right now. No, I I don't think it's got anything to do with, well, I don't think it has anything to do with the money aspect of it. It's they get to put on the NHL sweater. They get to get out on the NHL ice. They get to play against some NHLers, depending on the team they may have. The league minimum, I think, is like eight veterans in the lineup supposed to be yeah, for preseason games yeah it's either number of players or, or a certain number of man games of nhl experience or at least that's what constitutes a veteran i i confuse that rule with the ahl uh veteran limits which work opposite you can only have so much experience on your roster each night oh yeah it's kind of like the overagers in the uh in the CHL. Exactly. At least that's cut and dry. That makes sense. You get three and you're done. I am. So to answer the question, which I've completely circumnavigated in my response, um, I, 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 I miss the old days, Pat, which is what you're describing is 
basically the first 20 games in the season were just utter chaos because guys weren't in shape. They hadn't played to, with, you know, they hadn't played together. They hadn't really scrimmaged or done anything at even 80% of NHL speed. So the first 20 games were always just kind of a giant goat rodeo. And especially back then, the training regiments were such that they were also getting in shape during that time, too. I, so I see where you're going, but I just always have a tough time because I I look at it from a different aspect, which is how often are some of the kids that are at these games going to get to go to regular games when the prices are ridiculous? And they're not... and you know they don't care they don't know it's preseason you know that's kind no. of where i'm at i don't have a problem with it you know i would cut it down a couple of games at the most and give another week in camp but eh, eh, where i'm at that's my answer yeah that's your answer yeah 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 uh my answer is that um well it's useful for the draft picks to practice and play with and against NHLers so they can see how far they have to go in their conditioning and and workouts and such to get to where they need to be. Um, Everybody pretty much knows who's going to be on the NHL team before training camp even starts. And so... um, I'm all for keeping rookie camp, getting rid of preseason games, having like a 10-day, 7-day training camp with the bubble guys on the NHL team and the NHLers, give them two weeks to cut down their roster to, you know, whatever they need to cut it down to, and um, leave it at that, and then have some maybe inter-squad scrimmages, you know, for the fans, one or two, like in the arena kind of thing, and call it call it a day. Yeah, I think there were hints of what you were describing probably as early as like five or six years ago, um, where the first Saturday or Sunday of camp always used to be a big inner scrimmage because there were enough guys and, you know, there's always those three or four that are, eh, they're, they're still nursing something. They're, they're still recovering from surgery. If it were regular season, they could go. So they hold them out. So you have the 60 man camp roster and you can, you can at least put two benches, full benches together for a, uh, for a little lively scrimmage. Uh, early in camp, but then things get down to business, you know, the next week. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think the NHL should take a couple pages out of the NFL's books and, like, institute some, you know, maybe it's a four-week camp. No one would love it because it, it seems too long. But but you have certain segments where after the first week, you got cut down to this. Second week, you got cut down to this. Third week, you know, and maybe get to your your – a 25 man roster where you only have one or two decisions made, you know, that last weekend, um, just something a little different. I say do it during have part of that be the NHL regular season. The first couple of weeks of the regular season, you know, you can have, you can carry more than, than 23. And, and then you you wave Antonio Brown. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you is know? week is week three late enough, or you know, is game game fifteen late enough to to pull the plug on that? <laughs> I, where does this animus come from? From you guys, is it is it because we're now inundated with? the beat writers and everyone tweeting out lines and shot by shot descriptions of meaningless games or for me thinks it serves a purpose or for me it's it's the length of the of the NHL regular season you already have 82 games you are and then you have playoffs going into june and you know a, a human body can only take so much and I kind of think that the these, you know, preseason games just is a, you know extra wear and tear on on the guys. That's why I'm thinking maybe it should just go away. I I look at it from two points. One, it, it's just what the cap has done to roster construction and how we can predict, you know, twenty out of twenty three roster spots or. The fact that there will be at least one or two teams early in the season until they can make a trade that will carry up to probably only 21 players just because they can't, they need to save a little cap room somehow. So carrying that extra forward or that extra defenseman will be too burdensome come, you know, January, February. But the other thing is I've noticed is, uh, when I've watched, you know, every team has their informal practices where, you know, all the all the family guys, they have to get back into town at a certain date so the kids can start school. And that's kind of the, you know, either right before or right after U.S. Labor Day. That's kind of the telltale. All right. This is the weekend. Everyone moves back. Have your immigration papers in order by then. And I've noticed over the years, the skates went from just garbage and sloppy where they're, they're just, it's, it's pickup hockey. It's not that great too. It's a lot crisper. It's a lot more technical. Players are bringing in certain skill coaches and it looks more like a regular practice. So I think like merging kind of the rookie tournament time period and just kind of getting the regular season started since it is so long you really don't need the preseason because i mean every team still works through whatever their issues are in the first 20 games it's just not quite as sloppy and fun as it could be well and the fact that they don't like you were saying pat they they are already in peak shape when they get to camp you know what is the purpose of having six preseason games, if you already know, have a pretty good idea of who is going to be on your NHL roster, who's going to be on your AHL roster, who's going to go back to um, junior hockey, as well as you don't need that for conditioning purposes anymore because everyone is in condition all year long. Um, I, I just don't. And then on top of that, everybody complains about it. Everybody complains about how long the preseason is and why are we doing this and not the players necessarily to the press, but because they want to get playing, but, um, but all the fans and the media like sit there and like bitch about it. And I don't know. I just don't think it's the media can get over it. Why not? No, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out is 
are are the fans griping about it because the media is treating it like it's a big deal, or are the two things completely independent? Because I, you know, I'm I'm looking at a fairly full building in Philadelphia, so no, there was almost no one in Colorado the other night when I was yeah, watching. That is, that's Colorado. I'm yeah. There's so many fans that like during the summer and during the end during preseason are like I can't wait for I can't wait for hockey to start. And what they're meaning is they can't wait for the regular season to start. And I keep I keep starts. And that's just the total mentality of like a large portion of the fan base. It's like is it October yet? Not is it September, it's is it October yet? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know that phenomenon where the... Do-do-do-do-do. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> oh, I love it. Yes, I noticed. And if there's ever an NHL draft in Carolina, there is a venue that I want to be, kind of the live event where whoever wants to do whatever podcast... They come to this, and there is a Stadler and War Sadler and War Waldorf. I can't even do Waldorf. it. Well, um, <laughs> sit, sitting in a in a little uh, you know <laughs> luxury booth in in this just concert hall, and even though you know they're not associated with that song, oh, makes me excited. Anyway, um, kind of get back to my point. You know that phenomenon where the rookies who have all played in the rookie tournament, the guys have done it for like a year or two, not, not necessarily the, the fresh draft picks. They always look great early in the preseason. I want to see them play those fresh games before they start to hit a little bit of a wall. I want to see those in regular season games more often. Like, let's really make that nine game tryout tough on GMs where these kids just light it up early on. And, you know, you're forced to make a real decision instead of parking them back in junior. So like a preseason game for them. Uh, not exactly. No, I want I want them to go against a full NHL roster. But while they have their hands and the pro guys are eh, 80%, 85% there. So, so basically you want them to get stuck with junior players that they can't send back. Yes. <laughs> well, as as a as a fellow member of, of Team Chaos, I don't have a problem with that. Because the more chaos, the better. But so I'm, I'm, I'm still stuck on where this derision comes from for the preseason. Um, honestly, for me, it probably comes from not being able to watch in market preseason games without some shenanigans. Uh, where we get an out-of-town broadcast on the team's website. Not through the team quote-unquote app but just through the website and then the audio is off by a good five minutes where it's, you know, the away, the home team's uh, radio broadcast and the commercials are syncing up with the action instead of the play by play. I'll just dealing with that as opposed to what big markets, you know, half their games are 
half these preseason games in a row because I I do enjoy watching the young kids get their get their chance during this. And of course, I did go to a preseason game on Wednesday that saw you know maybe six thousand people in the building. Then the next one I go to will be a packed house because it's a free game for the fans. Okay. So, um, okay. Honestly, anything that that emphasizes uh, less coaching time and less instruction and more kind of developing in game, there it is. I'm going to be in favor of. There it is. Thank you. That's I was waiting for someone to throw that justification out because that would be my only reason for dumping it is getting rid of the structure there's too much structure and that's where it's beaten into these players from day one i'm i you know again as i'm watching this flyers game and it's elaine vino's first season in philadelphia he's not even on the bench (laughs) he's up in he's up in the press box tonight yeah um because he wants to look over the structure that they're playing and and then you know you know, the entire time they take off, I think, in a few days or so. Anyway, so the entire time between games or the off days, it's going to be hammering in that structure again. That would be my only rationale for saying, nope, no plate, no preseason. Because now he's got game tape as opposed to, you know, a, a, an intra-squad scrimmage or, you know, hypothetical stuff. He's actually got game tape of what he's trying to to do. Other than that, I'm like, eh, I don't... The, the season being too long is a different conversation. I don't disagree with it being too long, but I don't think the preseason's making it longer. It's a fixed, you know, it's a fixed period. Yeah. Honestly, the existing length is probably perfect. I think the number of games is excessive for some teams. And I know it's a cash grab, but you you got to do what you got to do. I mean, if it helps the players in escrow, you know. Which is really interesting. That leads to a whole different conversation of whether this is actually considered hockey-related revenue because it's not part of the season. I don't yeah. think it is technically, but... You know. But playoffs is... It's very. Yeah, I don't think playoffs strange. are either. Are they? Because I don't think they are. Players don't get pay, don't get paid much during playoffs. No, they don't get paid at all. Like yeah. their their salaries are based on a hundred eighty day regular season schedule, mm-hmm. and you're paid by days you're up on the roster by a certain time each day, which. I have still not figured out exactly when that time is. I think it's five o'clock local, but you know, I think whatever, however league revenue is calculated. I mean, playoffs is how the owners really make a profit each year. Oh, gotcha. Cause it's the only time they know they're going to have a complete and utter sellout yeah. and there's going to be merchandising sold through the roof. And yeah. concessions are going to go through the roof. And that's actually one. Yeah, it's a massive party and they can yeah. jack they jack prices up on the tickets. So, the you know, the cost per seat or the revenue per seat goes up because yeah. it's the playoffs. 
Well, that's kind of one of the reasons why we went from our free, you know, inter-squad scrimmage to a last home preseason game is now a free game for fans. Season ticket holders technically are kind of paying for it because it comes included and everyone else has to enter a lottery to grab tickets. But a game where you're going to see five to 6,000 fans because it's the middle of college football season down in the U.S. Southeast well, if it's free, you're going to pack the building and what you're going to make on concessions and, and merch alone is going to more than subsidize you giving away tickets. And I'll say there might be a little altruistic side to that whole thing, too. Give it away. You know, it's it's a little bit of a drug dealer, right? The first hit's free. Oh, yeah. And by the way, home openers this day. Yeah. You might not get tickets for this, but next weekend we got we got a couple extra for you. Yeah. Did you have fun? Did you have fun? You looked like Mm -hmm. you had some fun. So come (laughs) on back. Have some more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I mean. Patrick, you're saying something about tickets being less during the preseason. In my experience, they're not. They're the same price as regular season tickets. I think lower level tickets I saw for single digits. For a uh, AHL versus AHL game. But I also like it when teams do, you know, this would go away too, is when they travel to random markets, you know, your your smaller towns in Canadian provinces or your um, hockey, Hockeyville. I, I don't want to mention a, a non-sponsored name here. Uh, Cheese Company. Hockeyville day <laughs> at a local town that got some, you know, a little influx of cash. That's that sort of stuff is great, and you just can't do it without dramatic scheduling changes in the regular season. Okay, so this has come up a couple of times now. The regular season schedule. Yeah. Um, Pat, I know you saw it. I think Cassie, you probably saw it too. Let's talk about the brilliance that is Jonathan Taves. The more he talks, the more you just like the guy. I love his baseballian style schedule idea. If you're going to play this particular team six times in the season, make it over a weekend. Do a Thursday, Friday, you know, do a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. It's the AHL schedule. That's a little bit. Yeah. 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 That I mean, way. honestly, with the way, you know, the, the full season ticket holders kind of slowly dying off in certain markets, it's just a bunch of partials. Everyone gets a chance to see that team from out of town. You still it's also... Sorry, go ahead, Cassie. Oh, I was going to say, and it's, I mean, it's easier on the players because they don't have to like pack up and go somewhere else. And yeah. it costs the owners less money, and it'll create some shit shows that'll be and, awfully entertaining. And you'll condense. You have the opportunity to condense the schedule mm-hmm. because nobody's going to complain about playing two games or three games back to back, a day off, and then a third game. If you're in the same, you know, if you're not having to pack up and fly somewhere, 
you play one game, you come back to the hotel, you decompress, whatever, you get a good night's sleep, you're not moving around, you can get up and get a little bit of skate in in the morning, and voila, you know, now I've just shaved at least two days a week off the regular season schedule per team because I'm not traveling as much. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably... you can replace the back-to-backs with that. Well, yeah. And you've also probably cut at least one regular scheduled practice. You know, there's probably one fewer pregame skate, too. So you're getting these guys out of their gear a little more, which is probably better on their joints long you know, over the course, if you stick with an 82 game schedule, you know, getting them off the ice towards the later half of the year is good for their bodies. Yeah. You know, and I mean, the, it makes more sense for teams in the Midwest and in the West than it does for, you know, the Metro not going to want to do this division. <laughs> the ones that uh, are on TV all the time, you mean, that have the clout to say, no, we don't want to do this? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Excellent. The Jeremy Jacobs of the worlds, because, yeah. um, So, uh, they need to do something. You know, because with 32 teams coming in, 82 games the numbers are going to be really wonky as far as how much Seattle is going to end up traveling. San Jose Jose fans already complain like nobody's business when they have to go to LA and then fly home, play a game and then go to Anaheim. And I'm like, it's a 90 minute flight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, give me a break. No, it's it's the central teams that are crossing time zones every other day. That's, that's the big one. Well, there's that, and the distance between those central teams just within division is pretty huge. You know, you, yeah. you, it's Dallas to St. Louis to Chicago to Detroit to Winnipeg. That's a pretty hefty jump each flight. Yeah. It, it, it seems like the scheduler makers kind of figured out East Coast teams. They each get their two, you know, West Coast games after dark trips a season one one in the early onset and then one kind of yeah before always, after the All Star break. There's always one in and around October and there's always yeah. one in and around March and April for those mm-hmm. teams. October November. But yeah. it it's a it's a you know it's kind of a coin flip going the other way, which is much tougher I would say. Yeah, and if you can truncate that in any way, shape, or form, you know, you only play cross-division one, you know, home and home. So if you've got the schedule set up to where you've got a team that goes to Dallas for three days because they're in the West with Dallas, that's how many times they play them. There you go, or two days even, if they're if they're not in the same division. They're there for two days, and they move up to St. Louis for two days, and they move up to Chicago for two days. And Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I agree with you, Pat. Every time, every time he, he opens his mouth and actually says something that isn't, you know, hockey, hockey pablum, I just go, 
Get this man talking more, please. Mm-hmm. If he wanted to, he will have a hell of a media career. And that's just because he's going to be bored. I can see him being totally bored post-playing career. He's big into like environmentalism stuff too. So I'm sure yeah. part of that was also the less less in the plane also means more environmentally friendly too. I'm sure that was part of it for him, which probably wasn't, you know, expressed publicly because hockey media being what it is and all. Yeah. Okay, I, I have to send us down a tangent because I just saw something. I, I too have a preseason game pulled up. It doesn't matter what the game is, but I finally saw a sequence where a player lost their helmet during the play, and they were at some point forced to leave the ice surface. And boy, was that an interesting sequence. Uh, did you guys see the NHL's five-minute uh, rule video that was um, voiceovered by a very familiar Canadian voice? I hadn't heard on the airwaves in a while. I didn't know that Morgan Freeman was Canadian. <laughs> I didn't know Morgan Freeman was a former goalie. <laughs> or wannabe goalie. But sure enough, a defenseman in his defending zone was trying to make a play, and he was skating without a helmet for like 45 seconds. And until his team took the play the other way, did any of the officials say, all right, go to the bench, go to the bench, go to the bench. Oh, that coaches are going to find a new thing to bitch and complain about with that. If they can ever get you know players' helmets off on a regular basis. <laughs> I'm going to be brutally honest. I completely forgot about that role coming in. So did I, except for I saw this sequence and the player was there. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're going IHF with this role. And I was waiting for it. All right. When are they going to tell them to, to leave the ice? Okay. When are they going to tell them just go grab your helmet in the corner? And sure enough, it was a, it was a 40 second shift. It was a full shift. It's kind of hilarious. Because I remember in years past, remember when Jersey Tuck was, was an issue in the preseason and then everyone forgot about a game one? Oh, gotcha. Un mm -hmm. Unless your name was Alex Semen. Well, because the, they were the looking for anything with him. Yeah. The only time I ever saw that called in a regular season game was against him. Uh but yeah, sure enough, 55 seconds. Now, in fairness, it wasn't against a regular NHL player either. It was like a, eh, he, he might be your eighth defenseman. So, hmm. but Austin, I, Matthew, Austin Matthews wants to spin around, look at his nameplate. Yeah. Oh, man, that was so fun. And then they interviewed all the players and that just, uh, the, the media plays into the whole narrative that the league sucks the fun out of everything because uh -huh. most of them do it too. It's, oh, did God they yeah. get the vanilla answers? Like well, the event, the event itself just was perfect. No yeah. other comment was needed. If I, if I was that kid, I just would have held up my ring finger and gone, I got one more than you and walked off. 
Because <laughs> he's a Calder champion, right? He's won. He uh, he won the Calder Cup in the AHL. So he's got one more. Austin Matthews has got a ring on his finger. Uh, yep. Yeah, people like dismiss or don't even think about the AHL. So this was um, when I was blogging about the Tampa Bay Lightning was when uh, Tampa, so Iserman came on board. So Vinick, of course I'm talking and it's loud outside. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Vinick bought the team. Iserman was hired. Cooper was hired. Um and I was blogging before that and during that and after that. And Lightning fans are not unique in this. But, you know, before before all of this, they couldn't have cared less about the AHL team, the affiliate. It's like, whatever. I don't care. Um, and then they went, and then the Lightning really sucked uh, the 11-12 season. But the AHL team got the Calder Cup. And then all of a sudden they cared about the AHL team. <laughs> and so I mean it was like totally flipped. But um of course. yeah, you don't hear you don't hear anything of that in the NHL. It's like, you know, you win the Calder trophy, or not trophy, the cup. cup. Sorry. You win the AHL championship. <laughs> a lot of AHL teams, championship teams could not all, but some could play in the lower levels of the NHL if we had, you know, relegation and all of that. And so, you know, winning the Calder is actually not a bad thing. And yet nobody ever mentions that at all when they're talking about, like, people being brought up and all of that crap. There you well, go, my I, little rant. <laughs> I, I, I succinctly remember... Um, the lightning broadcast after that season mm -hmm. every time one of those kids came up it was he want you know this is our pipeline you know the calder the calder cup champion i think they were still the Sy or it was still the syracuse crunch back then yeah yeah they they just so like literally three days after they won the trophy in uh, in the calder cup in Nor norfolk yeah Oh, okay, like, that's right. They yeah. they announced that they were moving, were moving to Syracuse. <laughs> that's right. Okay, I always get it turned around. So yeah, I mean they they were just like, oh, you know this things are looking bright for the Lightning, you know, franchise. They all look at what happened in Norfolk. You know, all these kids, blah blah blah. So they're selling hope. Yeah, yeah but that died pretty quickly. I mean, you well, know, once yeah, because, that core yeah, was brought up. Good. Yeah, so once that core was brought up, it's like AHL who. <laughs> or you could do what Carolina is doing and just kind of not resign or trade out that team. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think more than 50, someone did a screenshot of kind of the, you know, that late March, early April team picture that most teams do. Mm -hmm. And they kind of colored it in based on who's still there. And I, I think there's, you know, only seven or eight guys still with the organization. So it's Ottawa South. Kind of. So I'll be interested to see if we see any of that between the six or seven guys that may end up playing in the NHL, you know, either on call-ups or make the team outright. 
Yeah, speaking of, uh, of, oh, and I just totally blanked on what you just said. <laughs> it was there and then it's gone. <laughs> um, uh, gosh, what was that? It's gone. I'm sorry. Is there silence? Well, since, silence. since we're still talking, kind of called her cup, uh, it's both a neat fact that I heard yesterday and also kind of depressing that the uh, chief operating officer of the Charlotte Checkers, uh, Tara Black, uh, she came from San Diego Gulls of the ECHL and she kind of ran that team uh, for a while before Charlotte basically they did the crazy HL EHL franchise swap where they became an NHL team. The ECHL franchise went elsewhere. Anyway, she will be the first female to have her name on the Calder cup, which I thought was pretty neat. Cause I always think of her in the back of our head when we've had our discussions about, you know, people to potentially run a, a new women's league or, you know, a, C-level um, position in an NHL franchise where she doesn't have a uh, hockey ops background, so to speak. She did work as a trainer for one team at some point, but I just thought it was kind of cool that she gets to be the first because I know she's a person who's kind of worked her tail off and she's built a semi-profitable HL franchise, which is something that's hard to do. I'm kind of shocked she's the first. That's what that was my initial reaction to. I mean, this is not a new trophy by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's not a Stanley Cup length trophy, but it's certainly not new. Huh. Yeah, you'd think there'd be some owner or something in there, right? Uh, I would have thought there would have been another, like a president of hockey operations or part of an ownership group or an individual owner. Huh. Well, I mean, yay, but good but, for her, yeah. But yeah, here, but here's the kicker. Damn, it's been a, it's been too long. <laughs> Patrick, yeah, she was the head athletic trainer and director of hockey hockey operations for the Sacramento River Rats. You remember what league they were in? <laughs> oh, RHI. There we go. So, yeah, here's a woman who got her start in RHI, and she was, uh, I think, involved in the league with one of the byproduct or scrap leagues that kind of remained. I I forget which crazy acronym it was. But, yeah, so she started out in roller hockey and then made her way all the way up to the AHL, and I – She's going to get hired by an NHL team if she wants. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, seriously. So I remembered what I was going to mention. Oh, go Sorry. Good. We vamped long enough. Yeah. So <laughs> Melnick and his. Uh, oh, gosh. Brother, can you spare gambling. Brother, Can you spare a dime? Yes. His gambling um, debts and such. It's not that it's, it's not that he has gambling debts. It's that he bounced 
checks to cover them. <laughs> so that's my favorite part. I, I'm curious, did this help or hurt Thomas Shabbat's contract extension? Because <laughs> I have a feeling some decimal points had to move since that story came out first and then this, you know, they released this conveniently a day or two later. As if Eugene can actually afford to cover the $8 million yeah. AAV hot, hot Sam Bacho is getting. Oh, good God. I don't know what that is. See, my, my first question when I, after after that all broke was, um, how long is it going to take for Ottawa to be relocated to Quebec City? I know. It's sad, but he makes all his... He pays his players, apparently, on time. and That's about all... That's about the only people he has the payroll for. Yeah. <laughs> he is... He is running that franchise uh, at bare minimum personnel, from what I gather. Well, that's unsurprising, considering. God, I'm, I'm, what I'm wondering really more than anything at this point is how much longer Gary's going to let this go on. You know, because there has there has to be at some point. You know, if he the the whole Bretton Flats, you know, arena deal stuff, the sniping between the owner, you know, the, the partners in that, Eugene not being able to come up with certain sums of money and the embarrassment that it's costing or, or causing the league. I mean, it's it's reminiscent of what was going on in Arizona for a while. <laughs> And now that that situation seems to have a resolution, uh, one way or another. It reminds me of like the thing that was going on in LA in what was the '80s? What's his face? I can't think of his name. The oh, owner. Uh, um, you're you were thinking of Bruce McNall when he got done up. And yeah. Actually, got yeah that so McNall bought McNall bought them just before Batman joined. He was actually a driving force for getting Gary Batman. Just irony of ironies. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the owners that really pushed to bring Batman on board as a commissioner. So yeah. yeah, he got he got rung up for evasion and fraud and something else. All I remember yeah. was there there's like some asset forfeiture of some ridiculous amount of rare coins, and I'm going, who would spend that kind of money on rare coins? But oh well. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, those are the good old days. Yeah, it makes me wonder if it's going to go that direction. If if uh, it's not going to end up like bankruptcy, but actual like jail time. Because <laughs> you know, the more this is just the surface. You know that there's a whole lot more. I don't think he's bright enough to make a business deal at this point. That'd be illegal. <laughs> the way things are going. <laughs> But also in the back of my mind, I was like, what former what former player is he going to owe back money to? And, you know, through Canadian, I don't know how Canadian bankruptcy might work, but who is the next Mario Lemieux in this situation? Who, who Who's the next player that owns up owning the franchise? Yeah. As, as yeah, I think of, they're going uh, to bankruptcy. Quebec City. I don't think that. No, I think it's, I, I think I, it's Thomas Shabbat. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next owner of the Ottawa Senators is Thomas Chabot. Becomes a player cooperative. Yep. The oh. Ottawa Co-ops. <laughs> <laughs> the the Cooperative Senators. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I man, I just don't really. I just, you know, that's, that whole subject is just one of those you just kind of have to start rambling on and then fade off as you're talking and just sort of turn your back and walk away because it's just I'm trying to think. Has there has there been a 30-day period where they haven't made the news for something ludicrous? Uh... <laughs> I think this summer there was because they really didn't have an RFA situation like all the uh, other yeah. teams. But oh, oh yeah. okay. August but ne- August might have been really quiet. Oh, next summer is gonna be a shit show for them. Uh, just be- why wait till summer? Yeah, I think it's gonna blow up before that. <laughs> I don't think this is going to like be be like something that just. Well, the, a, a new flame will arise from the ashes. A phoenix shall rise and, and yeah. save us from the doldrums of normal hockey stories. <laughs> yeah, we don't need these kind of hockey stories. <laughs> no, but we also don't need everyone getting the mumps again. Uh, we need yeah. some form of entertainment. Hmm. Well, maybe Melnick can invest in some small indie film that makes a ton of money so he can somehow afford a player contract. <sighs> or else, you know. So so we don't, don't have a Joe Sackick is a New York Ranger situation. Where, where Harrison Ford has to save Joe Sackick? Yeah, so what it was Harrison Ford because then in the back of my mind was it Michael Bay? Was was it Armageddon? No. It was Air Force One. Air Force One. <laughs> and every time I see that movie show every time I see that movie show up on the guide, I wanna re- I wanna record it and screen cap the end where, where Harrison Ford kicks um Gary Oldman off that plane and says, Get off my plane. I wanna cap that and then put um Glenn Sather over Gary Oldman. <laughs> wasn't it Sather? It was. Yeah, I think it was Sather that 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 threw the offer sheet at him. So yeah, I just I just want to gift that. Get off my plane, and then you know, Glenn Sather's like, ah. <laughs> Mostly because I'm sitting in a very empty room right now, <laughs> so. I'm gonna pull a ripcord on this, and right. I, I, I think I—it's—it's not—it's not a Cassie bomb, but it sort of touches into the question of this week by extending it to the question of next week, as this is preseason, regular season follows. What would you do to address the NHL schedule? No parameters meaning you don't have to keep it at 82 games you don't have to keep you know the six division games or five division or anything in that what would you do to the nhl schedule 
follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. This has been the 3v3podcast, sponsored by Nobody.